All right, good morning, everyone that's here live. Those of you that may be watching us online this morning, wherever you are, uh, maybe you're in 85-degree weather. We hate you right now if that's the case, but we, <laughs> we love you as brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're joining us this morning online or if you're in our overflow or you're in the concourse, man, God bless you this morning. We're so glad you're, you're here with us. Pray that everyone feels a part of the body of Jesus, the, the body of Christ. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you need a Bible, there's probably one in the seat back pocket in front of you or under your seat if you're up front. Matthew 7. We are continuing our series called Extraordinary. It's a study in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you now open up the scriptures and, and breathe life into the pages and help us to to not only be hearers of the word, but doers. Uh, Lord, you said over and over, let, let those who have ears to hear, uh, hear what you're saying. So give us that privilege this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. On every flight on an airline before the end of the flight, the, the pilot comes on the intercom and he says, we are, we are now beginning our final descent into whatever city you're headed to. We're now beginning our final descent. That's what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 7. We're only going to look in verse 12, one verse today. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is coming to an end, and Jesus is saying we are, we are beginning the final descent into the extraordinary life, into the extraordinary life. We're going to unpack this here just for a few minutes this morning. Um, we have guides to show us the right way to do things or the right direction in, in just about every area of life. So like YouTube videos, YouTube videos show us the right way to fix or install things. So whenever I, not every time, but sometimes I'll go and visit my mom in California, uh, and she's a widow, and, and so when things break down around the house, she, she likes for me to fix them. And so she knows I'm absolutely worthless in doing that, so she, she gives me these YouTube videos. She shows me like a YouTube video, like how to change a light bulb. She's, Jeff, it's not that hard. I think even you can do it, right? No, but she'll show me this YouTube, and it, it says the exact right way to fix something or to install something. Um, Y'all use uh, GPS apps. Do those things blow your mind like they blow my mind? Like, how does, it, how does that work? Like, there's a lady in my phone telling me every street turn left in 500 feet, turn right. Not this signal, but the next signal, what, whatever. And she's, she's in my phone, but she's talking to millions of people at the same time. It's like God. It's like God talking to millions of people at the same time, listening to millions of prayers. At the, how, how do they do that? Please, someone tell me how those Jeep. But they direct you to the right destination. They get you to the right place. My, my daughter wants to run a, a marathon. And so she's, uh, she hired a running coach. To, to show her the right way to train for a marathon. So you can find just about anything in life, and there's, there's a guide of some type, electronic or written or a person, that can show you the right way to do that. So here's my question. What about the right way to treat people? Is there a guide for that? Well, there is. It's called the golden rule. It's Matthew 7, 12. The golden rule. And you all know the golden rule. Most of you know. Excuse me. Even if you don't know it's called the golden rule or you didn't know it was, it was in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, you know of the principle of the golden rule. So here's what I want, want to do right now. If you're a middle school or high school student, I want you to stand up. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I want you to stand. Middle school, high school, so you stand up, okay? Everybody all around, middle school, high school. Now, raise your hand 
if you know what the golden rule is. Just raise your, raise your hand. Okay, put it down. Raise your hand if you'd be willing to share with us what the golden rule is. Okay, come on. Anybody willing to share what the golden rule is? Say, say it again. Exactly. You know the golden rule. Give that young lady a hand. The golden rule is treat others the way you would like to be treated. All right, thank you, guys. You can, you can be seated. So let me give you a little, a little background. Let, let me say this. So, so we have a high school student in our church. This week wrote a note to her parents and her family before she went to school. And I don't, I don't know if she put it on the refrigerator or whatever, but this is what she wrote. She, her mom put it on Facebook, and my, my, my wife, Shirlene, sent it to me. It says this. Have an amazing day. God loves you. You're worth it. Be kind to others. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Boom, golden rule right there. See, we, we know the principle of the golden rule. So as we, as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 12 is, is the golden rule. Everything that follows that, it, it, there's no longer any ethical teaching. Essentially, all the way through the end of chapter 7, Jesus is just calling people to make a decision. Are, are you going to follow or are you not going to follow? He's given us this incredible sermon. Now he's calling us to respond to that. So Jesus, up until this point, has been doing a couple of things. He's been clarifying or redefining the Old Testament law. And he does it by saying things like this. You've heard that it was said this, but I say this. You've heard that it was written this, but I say this. What he's doing is he's distinguishing between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And then when we come to verse 12, he summarizes the entire Old Testament in one verse. He summarizes the entire teaching of the Old Testament in one verse. So if you have your Bibles open this morning to, to Matthew chapter 7, we're just going to read verse 12. Matthew 7, 12 says this, in everything, say everything. everything. Say it again, everything. everything. In everything, therefore, the, the, the therefore is there because of everything he's already said. Considering this whole message, in everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. In everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. Three quick things Jesus is saying there before I launch into my sermon. The, the, the first thing is this. Um, in everything, in every relationship, in every encounter you have with people. I, I used to think that the, that the golden rule only applied to difficult people, right? If someone was being a doofus, it's like, I have to be kind to them. Some of you are like, can we say doofus in church? Well, yeah, it just, it just means unwise or foolish, okay? Uh, it's not a bad word. Um, if someone, I, I used to think it only applied if someone was difficult or mean to me that I had to respond in a better manner, right? But Jesus says in everything, to every person, in every relationship, in every interaction that you have with people, this rule applies. The second thing that he says is he says uh, all of the verbs in that sentence are present tense in the Greek language. Present tense verbs in the Greek language means the action is supposed to be continuous. So, so nonstop. This, 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 you don't pick and choose when you apply this principle. It's happening all the time in your life. And it's something that you are constantly thinking about. 
Since I've been studying this verse the last few weeks, it has absolutely consumed my mind. It affects every interaction I have with people, everyone. I'm constantly thinking about this. It's transformed the way I live. It's transformed every relationship in my life, and it'll transform you if you'll allow it to. So this is to be continuous, constantly in our mind every time we interact with somebody. The third thing is, Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets. This is a summary of everything in the Old Testament. The phrase, the law and the prophets, is another way of saying the whole Old Testament. So every ethical teaching, every teaching about how we should live or how we should treat people is summarized in this one sentence. Let me give you some examples. Exodus chapter 23, verse 4 says, If your neighbor's ox wanders off and you find it, return it to him. So he has an animal, an ox, and it, and, it, and it wanders into your property, and you find it. You don't keep it. You don't hide it. You return it to the owner. Why? Because if your ox wandered off into someone else's land and they found it, what would you want them to do? Return it. Golden rule. Boom. Look at another one. If you let your animal graze in someone else's field, you must pay them back for it. So you can't just release your animals to eat everyone else's grass. Why not? Because if your neighbor did that, if he released his animals into your yard or your field and they were eating your crops or whatever, you would want them to pay you back or to compensate for that. Golden rule. Let's look at another one. If you sue someone and take their coat as collateral, you must give it back at sunset so that they aren't cold at night, so that they have a covering at night and they're not, not exposed to, to the cold. Why do you do, you do why if, if you sue someone and take their coat, do you have to give it back? Because if someone sued you and took your coat as collateral, you wouldn't want to be cold at night. You would want something to cover you. It's the golden rule. Boom. And then we come to the, the, the Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't kill. Why not? Because you don't want people lying to you. You don't want people stealing from you. You wouldn't like people to kill people that you love or your own life. So Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets. Everything is summarized by this one sentence. Treat people in the same way that you would like to be treated. So what does Jesus want us to do with the golden rule? That's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes. Four quick thoughts. What does Jesus want you and me to do with the golden rule? The first is this. Identify what you like and what you don't like. Identify what you like and what you don't like. I would suggest making a list of ways that you like to be treated and ways that you don't like to be treated. Let's read that verse again. Uh, Embolden is my, in, my uh, emphasis. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. You desire, you wish, you want them to treat you in that way. So how do you like to be treated? Let me ask you this. Do you like to be affirmed when you do something well? Do you like it when people recognize that you did something well and they affirm you for that? So I do, a, I do an online morning prayer thing Monday through Friday, and my wife's really good at this. Like, she'll, she'll afterwards say something like, oh, that, that was a great thought. Like, that, I love the scripture that you used. That, that, I, I'm not going to lie, that was, that was really good this morning. And, and she does that like with my sermons, like once or twice a year, something like that. No, I'm kidding. She's more positive than that. Um, 
I like that. I, I, like, I like it when someone recognizes hard work or that I did something well and they affirm me for that. My, my executive pastor, Tom Rich, is really good at that. We'll, we'll be in a meeting with a staff person or a team meeting or something and maybe it's a hard conversation, maybe it's a difficult issue that we need to resolve and afterwards he, he might shoot me a text or an email saying, hey dude, I, you handled that really well, good, good job. Man, that makes me feel so good, I, I love that. I played tennis this week with, uh, with a good friend and after we played, we were talking about the church and he said, he said, he said Jeff, you, you have a gift of teaching. Like when, when I'm sitting there, it's just, it's just like really good and then when I leave, I feel horrible, like I need to change my life. And, and I said, well, thank you. I think there's a compliment somewhere in there. He said, no, me and my wife, we like talk about it and just go, we go, we need to change. Like something, you, you convicted us. Something says your life isn't aligned with God. And, and I, I like it when people, aff- do you like that? Do you, do, yeah, come on. Do you, do you like it when people affirm you? <laughs> come on. Somebody got it. Somebody got it. Then you know what? You need to do that to other people. You need to treat other people. That, that's what Jesus is saying. If you like to be affirmed when you do things well, then affirm other people when they do. Do you like it when people pray for you? Do you, do you like it when they call you and say, I just, just want you to know I'm praying for you? Send you a little, hey, I'm praying for you? Or, or you just know that they're praying? If you like that, then you need to pray for people. You need to pray. For, you may, need to make a prayer list in your life, and you need to be regularly praying for people if that's something that you like. Do you, do you like it when people let you borrow stuff? Borrow your car? Borrow your clothes? Bar- when I first came, some, someone took me uh, pheasant hunting, and I didn't have anything. They let me borrow a gun and shoes and all that chaps and all that stuff. I don't do that anymore. I don't really like it that much. But, uh, <laughs> but they let me borrow all their good stuff. So you know what? If you, if you like it when people let you borrow their nice things, then you need to let other people borrow your nice things. That's what Jesus is saying here. Treat other people in the way that you would like to be treated. Do you like to be publicly praised? Do you, do you like to be in a, in a meeting or the group of people and somebody just all of a sudden starts praising you for something that you did? Like, I like that. That's cool. So I need to find ways to do that. When I'm, when I'm with my family, just pick somebody out and say, you know what, I just, you did this really good in front of other people. Then we need to, do you, do you like to be included? Then include people in your life. Do you like to be told that you look nice? I do, then, then tell people that you look, you look really nice today. Do you like it when people trust you with responsibility? I can look back on my life and go over and over again, people, people trusted me, maybe even before I should have been trusted. They gave me a chance. They gave me an opportunity. Do you like it when people trust you with things? When I was 16 years old, I had just got my driver's license, and my mom and dad got a brand new Toyota, Toyota Celica ST. No, GT. It was the sporty version. We had like this junker car, this beater car that I drove, and then they drove this really nice car. And I remember going to prom or some date or something. I said, hey, hey Dad, could, could I take the Celica? He's like, yeah. I think you're responsible enough to do that. I'm like, what? No way. I wouldn't trust me with it. Why are you trusting me with it, right? <laughs> it's like I remember that and going, you know what? I need to, I need to trust people. I need to give people response. I remember how I felt when someone trusted me and allowed me to do something. Do, do you like it when people say, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. I see progress in your life. 
then you need to do the same thing to other people. Do you, do you like it when people actively listen to you instead of when you're talking to them, they're distracted and looking in eight different directions? Don't you want them engaged in what you're saying? Then you need to be a good listener to people if that's something that you enjoy. Do you like it when people pay attention not only to you, but parents when they pay attention to your kids? Isn't that a big deal? Like, like Shirley and I, when our kids were, were still young, it was great when people at church engaged us, but, but if they engaged our kids, especially adults engaged, talking to our kids, man, that, was, that meant the world to us. It's like we value your whole family. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm standing out greeting people on the way into church, if a family comes in with, with, with small kids, especially if I know them, sometimes I'll kneel down on the ground and just, just give the kids a hug as they come in. Sometimes it's just a high five or a low five just to say, hey, I see you. I rec-. Man, that's huge. So you know what? If you like that, then recognize other people's kids. Identify them, treat them well, pay attention. Let me ask this, did you like it when people offered to babysit your kids for free? Come on, old people. Do you remember, do you remember when you, you used to have to have, get a babysitter? Didn't you like it when someone, let me, let me just say this, babysitting is crazy expensive today. Like I can't even believe how expensive it is. We went out with somebody not too long ago and just for dinner and like dessert, 60 bucks for somebody to watch their kids. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice if someone just said, hey, you know what, why don't, why don't you guys go out? We'll take your kids. We'll watch your kids. What a blessing that. If you enjoy that, if you would enjoy that, why don't you offer that to someone else? Do you like it when people pick up the tab for dinner? I'm going a little too far. I, I know that. Okay, so. <laughs> you get the idea. What do you like? If you like people to treat you in a certain way, Jesus says, turn around and treat them in the exact same way. That's the golden rule. Then he says, how do you not like to be treated? How do you not like it when people treat you a certain way? Do you not like it when people won't forgive your sin? They just hold it against you? They, they won't let it go? They, they punish you for that sin? They'll never give it up? If you don't like that, then you need to forgive people. If you don't like to be treated like that, then you need to be someone that says, you know what, I forgive you, I let it go. I'm not going to punish you anymore. Do you not like to be embarrassed in front of people? I had a PE coach back in the day that thought it was really cool and funny to embarrass me in front of my friends regularly. And that like left a wound. I, I just remember thinking, who are you? Like, why is it such a big deal to you to make me feel bad and embarrass me in front of my friends? I, I just remember making a vow. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do my best not to embarrass people in, fr in front of their friends because I know how it made me feel. Do you not like it when people say mean things about you behind your back? I don't think you do. So don't do it. Don't do it to other people. Th that's the golden rule. Reciprocate. Do you not like it when people use you to get what they want? To get ahead? Then, then, then serve them. Don't serve people. Don't use people. Don't take advantage. Don't exploit people in your life. Do you not like it when people criticize everything that you do? Do you have someone in your life that just criticizes everything you do? You know what, if, if, you, want, if you want to speak into my life, then, then you not only need to maybe criticize me when I do things wrong, but you need to recognize when I do things good, right? Because I actually do some things good, and, and if, you, if you just continually criticize me, it just becomes white noise. And I just think you, you don't have any objectivity in your, you don't understand, because there's some things I do good. So, don't be that person. If you're going to bring criticism, if you need to bring criticism, make sure you're, you're also bringing praise and recognizing people do things well also. Do you not like it when people always talk about themselves 
instead of being interested in you, then don't be that person, Jesus says. Do you not like it when people lie to you and are dishonest with you? I don't. Then don't be dishonest with people. So you can make this huge list about how you like to be treated and how you don't like to be treated, and that's how you're to treat other people. Well, the second thing Jesus says is consider that, number two, consider that everyone is just like us. Everyone likes to be treated like we do. But in this point, let's look at the scripture here. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way, the same way that you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is going to take this a step deeper. Here's what he's going to say. Not only do you need to treat people uh, in the way that you like or don't like, but you need to put yourself in their shoes, in their situation, and, and you need to say, if I was you, this is how I would want to be treated. If I, if I was you, even though I'm not in your situation, you have to put yourself in their situation and say, uh, what would I like or dislike if I was you? If you were an aging parent, how would you like to be treated by your children and grandchildren? Teachers, if you were a student, how would you like your students to treat you? I'm sorry, let me say that again. If you were a student, how would you like to be treated? Uh, coaches, this is hard for me. Coaches, if you were a referee, how would you like to be treated? Because I didn't treat them like I should have. When you're coaching, ask yourself, if I was that referee, how would I like to be treated? Students, if you were a teacher, if you were the teacher of this class, how would you like to be treated by the students? How do you like to be treated when you fail? And we all fail. Think about the last thing you failed. How did people treat you in that failure? I was at my, my family's house uh, a while back and one of my grandchildren had failed a test. They got 55%. And, and, and their parents were lovingly trying to say, this isn't okay, you can't fail tests. And I think they were lovingly trying to find a, a way to avoid that in the future. I'm, and I'm not saying there was anything wrong with what the parents were saying. But what I was thinking was, if I was that grandchild in my failure, how would I want to be treated? And so when people fail around you, you need to treat them that way. How do I want to be treated when I fail? Do I want to be met with judgment or with grace? Sure, we got to speak truth to people in failure, but how do we do it is important. If you were the one who failed morally in your marriage, how would you like to be treated by your spouse? Maybe they failed morally, but flip it. If you were the one that made the mistake, how would you like to be treated by them? Maybe you need to treat them that way. If you were homeless, how would you like to be treated? If you were begging for money on the street, how would you like to be treated by people? If, if you struggle with being overweight, how would you like to be treated? If it was your child screaming on the airplane for the whole flight, how would you like the people around you to treat you? The golden rule, that's what Jesus is saying. Treat people how you like to be treated. Don't, pe don't treat people how you don't like to be treated and put yourself in their shoes. If that was me right now, how would I like people to respond to me? How would I like people to react 
to me. If you were a Christian struggling with same-sex attraction, how would you like to be treated? If you were grieving the death of a child or a spouse, how would you like to be treated? All of you probably know someone that's grieving the death of a, a child or a spouse. How would you like to be treated if that was you? How should we treat individuals with mental and emotional disabilities? I told you that since I've been studying this, it's, it's, it's not left my mind. It, it affects every person I see. And, and I, was, I was boarding a plane not, not long ago and in the, in the runway or the, the tunnel getting onto the plane. And a few people ahead of me was a, an older woman. She looked like a, a grandma, probably around my age, maybe a little bit older. And she was with her, what appeared to be her grandchild. And he was probably, let's say, 28 years old uh, with apparent uh, severe mental and emotional disabilities. Probably the, the emotional intelligence of, of a 10-year-old. And she's with him and she, she held his hand, just held his hand the whole way down the ramp. And, and I, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And she was like, like, laughing and smiling and loving and turning to him right in his face and just speaking to him like he was the absolute most important person in the world. And I'm just like, that, that's, that's the golden rule. Like, like that, that's what Jesus would do. Like how, how should we treat people that, that aren't the same as us in a different situation? If you were the parent of that child, how would you like to be treated? How would you like the people around you to treat you if that was you and your child? See, this thing goes way deeper than just, oh, try to be nice to people when you can't. No, it's, it's what do you like? What do you not like? Treat people that way. And, and even if, if someone is totally different in terms of the situation in life, think about if that was you, how would you like to be treated in that situation? So identify what you like and what you don't like. Um, number two, consider that everyone is just like us. And number three, understand why we don't do it. Jesus wants us to understand why we don't do this. Why don't we perfectly live the golden rule? Why, why don't we walk it out? Could you just be honest with me this morning and say, we, we don't perfectly live this out, right? Why don't we? And the answer to that is really simple. Sin. It, it's just human sin. That's the reason we don't, we don't perfectly live this out. Here's what Paul says in Romans 7. He says, I know that good does not dwell in me. That is in my flesh, in my fallen sinful nature. For the willing or desiring to do good is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. But if I do the very thing I don't want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's sin that lives in me. It's this sinful, evil nature that I inherited from Adam. I was born in sin and conceived in iniquity. I have a sinful nature that prevents me from doing what I'd like to do. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully agree with the law of God in my inner person, in my mind, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, bound by this powerful law of sin that works in us, which is in my body's parts. Wretched or sinful or disgusting or despicable person that I am because of this indwelling sin. Paul called it what it was. It's wretched. 
It's despicable. It keeps us from living the extraordinary life. It keeps us from fulfilling the purpose of God. It keeps us from living out the golden rule. Wretched person that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And then maybe the greatest verse in all of scripture, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. There's only one hope, it's Christ. Only Christ can break the power of sin. Only, only Christ can transform that evil nature into something that honors him. Only, only by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we have resident sin deep in our lives, deeply rooted in our lives. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am trying to serve the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh serving the law. How many of you relate to that? Yeah, the, the willing is present in me. The desire to do good is present in me, but I don't always do it. Why? There's this evil lurking in me. There's this resistance to God in me. There's this spirit of rebellion in me that doesn't want to obey God, doesn't want to do what's right. And that's the civil war that we live with. And Paul says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we can be delivered from the power of that captivity, amen? We can be set free from that. Can we just own this? Can we just own that sin keeps us from God's purpose in our lives? Sin has turned you and turned me inward. I'm concerned about me. I'm more concerned about how people treat me than how I treat other people. I'm more concerned about my needs being met than the needs of the people around me being met. I'm more concerned with people being kind to me than me being kind to people. I'm bound up in sin. That's my problem. That's your problem. So our relational problems in life are the result of sin. If everyone followed the golden rule, our relationships would be healthy. Think about it. If everyone lived like that, things would significantly change. Why is your marriage failing? Sin. One or both of you is not living out the golden rule. It's sin. That's why you're married. Let's call it what it is. Let's own it. It's my selfishness and wanting my needs met above yours. Why is there a disconnect between parents and their children? Sin. Sin is turning us inward. We want things the way we want them, not maybe considering what is best for other people. Why, why are there problems with you and people at work? Sin. If everyone was following the golden rule, we wouldn't have these problems in life. Why, why do we have racial tensions in our communities? Why do we have international conflicts? Why do we have the Ukraine battling Russia? Why is that going on right? Sin. Sinful people leading nations, sinful people leading households, sinful people le le leading communities and wanting what's best for them and not considering what's best for other people. And so this is where we come back to the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and the extraordinary life. And we said this right up front, you cannot do what Jesus is asking you to do without the Holy Spirit. You can't do this. You can't be meek, you can't be humble, you can't be a peacemaker, you, you can't do the things that Jesus asks you to do. You cannot live the extraordinary life without Christ in you. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's, that's what it brings us back to. Do you wanna live this out? You need his power. 
Because your sin is going to regularly turn you inward, seeking uh, self-gratification and self-preservation. You, you and I are self-absorbed, and we need that power broken in our lives if we're going to live this out. And then number four, what does Jesus want us to do with the, the, the golden rule? Apply it to all of our relationships. Apply it to all of our relationships. Here's what he says. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Jesus isn't asking us here to agree that the golden rule is really important. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's not asking you to say, I want you to agree with me that if you lived according to this, things would be better. He's not asking you to do that. Do you know what he's asking you to do? To do it. Do unto others. Treat people this way. Don't just think that it's a really good idea. Don't just think that we should probably, when we can, follow. No, he says, he says do this. Emperor Alexander Severus was a Roman emperor from 222 A.D. to, to 235 A.D. He ruled for about 13 years. And, and it's reported that he had the golden rule written in actual gold in his palace. He, why? Because he thought it was important. He put it up there. I'm sure he knew it by heart. I'm sure he looked at it every day. I'm sure he realized, boy, we should sure be living like that. Did he live that way? I don't know. You know what I do know? That's what we do. We take the golden rule and we put it in gold on our wall. We put it somewhere in our lives, somewhere in our heart. We say, you know what? That's a really good principle. We really should be following that. If we did that, our lives would be different. Our families would be different. Our marriage would be different. If we only followed that, do we? If we did, our lives would be radically revolutionized, completely changed. If we followed one verse in the Bible, Friends, Jesus is landing the plane. He's saying, we're beginning our final descent in this teaching. Make sure your seat backs are upright and your tray tables are locked in. Get ready for the extraordinary life. That's what we're entering. But you can't do it without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Don't don't try to do it on your own. So as we close this morning, let me ask you this. What needs to change in you? What commitment do you need to leave here making if you're going to live this out in your, in your personal relationships, in your marriage, with your kids? Man, we need, we need God's power working in us to change us. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you pray with me? Lord, one verse summarized everything you taught in the Old Testament. In everything... Treat others the way you'd like to be treated. As we leave this place this week, Lord, help us to identify what we like and what we don't like. Help us to realize everyone's just like us. Help us to know the problem is sin. And help us to know the solution is Christ. And Christ in us, changing us and making us different. Help us to live Matthew 7, 12 this week in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we're going to have a team of folks praying up here. Don't leave without coming forward and getting prayer. God bless.